Today we begin a, a three-week message series on the significance of the resurrection for our life. Um, so we'll be looking at uh, today the significance of the resurrection and so what it says about who Jesus is and who Jesus is for us. And then also next week, look at the significance of the resurrection regarding the power of forgiveness of our sins and also the power to change our personalities. And then the third week, uh, two weeks from now, look at the significance of the resurrection regarding the gift of eternal life. The resurrection is not just a, simply a good idea for Christianity, but rather uh, it is the heartbeat of Christianity. It's equivalent to the heart in our own bodies, how it pumps blood through our, our entire body. That's what the resurrection is to Christianity. It pumps life, as it were, throughout Christianity. We even date our calendars by this single event in history. We go from BC to AD in our, and how we date our calendars. If Christ had not risen from the dead, then that means our gathering here this morning is, is useless. It means that preaching is useless. It means that the Eucharist would not exist, that there's no hope beyond the grave. St. Paul said in today's second reading, he says, if Christ had not been raised from death, he says, then we would have nothing to preach and nothing to believe. And if Christ had not been raised, he says, then your faith is a delusion and you are still lost in your sins. So the resurrection matters to Christianity. In fact, it's the foundation upon which Christianity rises out of. Paul goes on to say in verse 20 of our second reading this morning, he says, but the truth is that Christ has been raised from death. What's the evidence of Christ being raised from the dead? Well, he appeared to the apostles who had everything to lose by saying that he was alive and risen because the Roman government had put Jesus to death. And the last thing that the apostles want to do is say that he was alive because they would be the target of investigation, interrogation, and maybe even killed themselves. He also appeared to St. Paul and his conversion on the road to Damascus. His encounter with the risen Christ changed this man from a man who hated Christianity and was persecuting Christians to, to one who was proclaiming Christ at great peril to himself. The church has existed for over 2,000 years. It was born at Pentecost because of the risen Christ. It survived civilizations, empires, scandals, crises, persecutions. It still exists today. The church is still around. And it was born out of the risen Christ pouring out his spirit upon us at Pentecost. And then millions of lives of people have changed throughout the centuries. Millions of people and testimonies that we have written and documented, and some right here in our midst, have ch our lives have changed because of Jesus Christ, because he's alive and risen. Christianity has at its heart is the resurrection of Jesus. It is no small means. Scripture says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because he's alive then, what does the resurrection mean about Jesus for us? First thing it says about Jesus is that his purpose is still unchangeable. Jesus said of himself, I've come to give life and give it abundantly, he says, and give it to the fullness. Jesus said of himself that he was the son of God and that he was the way and truth and life and no one comes to the Father except through him. Jesus came to give life to people, life that would keep them re reconstructing people's lives, setting people free, healing people, delivering them from evil. That Jesus 
came to give life and give it to its fullness. He also said that in John 3, 6, 17, it says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through the world, the world might be saved through him. Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save the world. And he did that through his cross and through his resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus then affirms that Jesus' purpose hasn't changed. The resurrection of Jesus affirms that everything God wants to do in Jesus is something he wants to do in us now. He still wants to give us life. He still wants to bring healing to us. He still wants to bring deliverance and set us free. He still wants to bring saving love for us. Before the Eucharist, when we hold up the Eucharist, the priest holds up the Blessed Sacrament and says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That would be meaningless if Jesus had not risen from the dead. Behold what lamb if he didn't rise? He'd be just a dead lamb, right? But because he's alive and risen, then the priest can say, behold the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. So the first thing is, the resurrection shows us that Jesus is still unchangeable in what he came to do, what he wants to do in our life. The second thing is, his power is still available to us. St. Paul says this, I pray that you'll begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to help those who believe in him. The same mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead. Have you ever felt powerless in a relationship that was in conflict? Have you ever felt powerless in light of a bad habit that was getting the best of you? And that was challenging you, you didn't know what direction to head in or what to do. Paul says that the resurrection of Jesus brings power into our life. Next week, we'll look at more closely how that power actually changes our personality. But today, Paul is saying to us that the risen Christ releases power into our life. He said at one point, St. Paul said this, I have strength to face all conditions by the power that Christ gives me. Real power is power to be able to help us through the challenges we face in our life. And we all face situations which we are powerless, that we need help, we need strength by. Physical strength, emotional strength, you know, spiritual strength for our life. And the resurrection of Jesus brings power power for new starts, fresh starts, power to take us beyond where we are in our circumstances, power to help us be able to overcome the things in our life that we struggle with. St. Paul found that out. He says this, he says, the things I don't want to do, I end up doing, he says, but the things that he says I really want to do, I, have str- I struggle to do them. He says, who will deliver me? And then he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ who gives me the victory. In other words, what he's saying is that Christ gives him the power to do what he needs to do. So the significance comes to save us and comes to give us life. He comes to give us power. And the third thing is that the significance of the resurrection regarding Jesus, his promises are still reliable. Listen to what St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians. He carries out and fulfills all of of God's promises, no matter how many they are. You know, the Bible has over 7,000 promises of God. A promise of God to his people is his heart being revealed to us as to what he will be for us in the different circumstances of our life. God's promises cover every aspect of our life. They cover our past, our present, our future. They cover our finances. They cover our relationships, our health. 
you name it. They cover everything. They cover promises for when we worry, when we feel hopeless, when we need comfort, when we need to endure. You know, the promises of God are, cover every aspect of life. They reveal the Father's heart to his children, to us. St. Paul is saying here that, that Jesus carries out and fulfills all God's promises. Well, he couldn't do that if he wasn't alive and risen. Dead men don't fulfill promises. They're in the grave. They're, his, they're historical memory. But because he's alive, he can fulfill his promises. St. Peter says this in 1 Peter, Christ rising again from the dead. The promises of God bring hope to us. Let me give you an example. A person facing financial challenges. A promise in the scripture, St. Paul says in Philippians 4, my God shall supply for all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Again, for a person facing situations in which they're not sure what to do, Psalm 23, verse 1, a beautiful promise says, the Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want. What's left out and nothing. Right? So, the promises of the Lord bring hope to us. Howard Wolf, who is a, uh, was one time a professor of Cornell University, uh, did a study on POWs. In fact, he did a study on 25,000 POWs who came home from World War II. And he wanted to find out how come these people lived through the most uh, inhumane life situations. I mean, starvation, brutal treatment, um, you know, just uh, complete disregard for any kind of human respect at all. And yet they lived through it. What was their secret? How did they do it? How did they do it? So he studied them, and he found out the one thing that was the thread that kept these people alive was they found some kind of glimmer of hope they could latch on to. And he, and he determined that without hope, we die. Without hope, we have no reason for going on, for living. Hope was the characteristic thread of all these people that enabled them to survive through the most inhumane circumstances of their life. God's promises give us hope in the challenges and the circumstances of our life. So what difference does the resurrection make to us? Absolutely nothing, unless we take advantage of what Christ offers us through his death and through his resurrection. So how do we do that? Jesus had a promise of scripture, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be given to you. Seek first, he said. In other words, put, make him first in our life. If make him number one. We're used to that, right? If we worked, our bosses expected us to make, well, at least on the work schedule and the work time, make the company first. Right? An NFL football team, when they sign a guy to a contract, guess what? They expect that player to make that team number one, time into him. In other words, in society that we live in, things, situations of work, situations of sports, we expect people to make number one in their life what others have laid claim to them for. Well, Jesus 
says if we want to receive the promises and receive the benefits of the resurrection, we need to make him number one in our life as well. We need to lay claim to him as being number one. That means you and me need to put ourselves off to the side and say, Jesus, you're the CEO of my life. You're the boss of my life. You're the leader of my life. The Bible calls that making Jesus the Lord of our life. Making him number one in our hearts, in our life. Seeking first the things that are, he's about. Second thing that we do with that, the book of Revelation says that Jesus is at the door knocking and he wants to come in and have fellowship with us. What he's talking about there, he's, he's knocking at the door of our hearts. He wants to build a relationship with us so that we can learn how we are to live in his presence so we can receive the benefits of the resurrection in our life. Christianity doesn't happen by osmosis. It happens by us making a deliberate, intentional, strategic effort to build a relationship with Christ, making him first in our life, based through his word and the scriptures, which is the center, very much the heartbeat of the Christian life. We learn about the Lord through his word, we study it, we pray it, we apply it to our lives, so our life changes, we learn who the Lord is through his scriptures. In other words, in any human relationship, if it's worth its salt, two people will grow, and they will learn what is pleasing to, the, to each other, what will helpful to each other. They'll learn about two people, about each other. Same thing with the Lord. To build a relationship to him, we need to learn who he is, what he's like, how he can work in our life, and therefore we can benefit from the resurrection in our life as well. Seek first the kingdom of God as righteousness, and all these things will be given to you, is the promise of the Lord to us. The resurrection is significant for our life, but it's not significant unless we take advantage of the benefits. We do that by making him first, by building a relationship with him. So let's pray. So we thank you today for Jesus alive and risen. Through his love for us, he underwent death, and in his resurrection, he conquered our death, forgave our sin, and it brings us power to change our life even now. We thank you, Lord, that his purposes are still unchangeable. He's come to save us. Come, up, come to give us life to the fullness. We thank you, Lord, that he makes his power available to us, particularly in the challenges of our life. And we thank you, Father, that the promises of Jesus are still reliable. They are the springboard of hope for our life. So this day, Lord, we pray that we would make your son the leader of our life, the CEO of our hearts, as we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All the things that we have need of will be provided. The benefits of the resurrection would be ours as we make him first, as we build a relationship with him. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen.